What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello and welcome back to Simply Serie A, the Italian football podcast brought to you by the FNX Network and Sofa Sports Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and my guests this evening are my two regulars. Now, they need no introduction anymore. It's Mr. Vittorio Campanile. Vittorio, how are you, sir? I'm fine, thanks. What about yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. Can't complain. <laughs> and also, Tommy Milanese of 90 Minute. Tommy, welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? Thank you, mate. Great, especially after a weekend. It was a, was, a, was a good weekend, yeah. Yes, it was a good weekend for your side, wasn't it? Uh, and we'll come on to that a little bit later. But we're going to start uh, at San Siro, where Inter suffered a 1-0 defeat at the hands of Vittorio's Lazio. Uh, Vittorio, how big a result was that for Lazio? And, you know, did they deserve it for those that maybe haven't seen the game? It was a very important result for Lazio because... Uh, in the past five years, Lazio only once beat Inter at San Siro, so it was really important, especially for the Champions League fight, because uh, Inter is in third position and, and Lazio needed points to get back in, in the race. Um, it was a little bit strange because uh, we saw in the past weeks that Lazio had the ball possession normally. Instead, uh, against Inter this time, Inter has had a bigger ball possessions, but the goal expected, Lazio had double of, of Inter. Inter had like 12 chances against six, but uh, Lazio were far more dangerous than Inter and at the end I think deserved to win. Yeah, Tommy, I, I don't know if you saw the game. What did you make of it? I well, I don't think any of us predicted a Lazio win on last week's show. I think the majority of us went for a draw on this one uh, from memory, but what did you make of the whole game? Yeah, I agree with Torio. Like Lazio really showed up and uh, they, they showed that they play very, very good football and then deserve to be where they are, if not even more. Uh, especially thinking how AC Milan and Inter are playing at the moment, you can you can say that um, the current form, Lazio probably deserve to be there. The game was, was good. Um, I think that is another proof, I mean, that we already knew, but... Once again, we know that Luis Alberto is actually a very good footballer and is very good with his new role this year. So he's playing obviously uh, much more as a midfielder than than a you know than a, uh, a, a forward like last year. And he's playing very well. Uh, even in this game, he did an incredible assist and he just played the, the ball very well. And that, that's I think a very a very good idea for Minzaghi. Because I don't, I don't think anyone really would have thought about it last year. Um, so yeah, great result for Lazio. They're playing good football. They deserve where they are, and fair play for them. I mean, Vittorio, we've been talking about Icardi a lot, and he's returned to training. Was you surprised that he wasn't called upon, given that Lautaro Martinez was was out injured? I, I can understand the point Spalletti made, but I think there are exceptions, especially when you're in that situation. Uh, the only other number nine you have that is Lautaro is injured. And so you don't really have that many options. Yes, Keita played uh, central striker. He can play there, but it's a very different type of player compared to Icardi. He needs uh, deep balls to go and, and use his speed. 
but he's not a real number nine. And so I can understand that the rules are set and uh, so Icardi should have played uh, against Lazio. But when you are in that situation and you have to achieve the Champions League, then, you know, you say, look, Icardi should have been called, but I don't have any central striker. So he's going to be with the team this uh, this Sunday, even if he didn't deserve it. Yeah, I, I mean, thought that was... Sorry, go ahead, Vittorio, sorry. No, I wanted to say just that uh, it, it makes sense, but, you know, you have to think about the team and not about only the rules. And uh, and I, I said it, probably Inter with Icardi would have won Sunday because they had chances, but they needed a striker to put it in. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot, isn't it? I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I totally agree with you. The Icardi thing has rumbled on for far too long. It's shown the club in a bad light. It's shown Icardi in a bad light. And it's been an unwanted distraction. But there comes a point in Spalletti's position where you need to put the team first. And, you know, he's obviously decided against doing that. But, Tommy, a player I wanted to ask you about was... Uh, Milinkovic Savic because there was a lot of talk about this guy last season um, everybody was ranting and raving about him but am I right in saying that he hasn't quite lived up to that expectation this season I know he got the winner at San Siro um, at the weekend but he hasn't quite hit the ground running this season has he well I think he's I mean we all know that he didn't start the season as well as people expected I think he's doing much better now in the second half of the season and the reason why he didn't really um, match expectations in the first half of the season is probably because the expectations was were very 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 high for a, a youngster uh, we all know that as I said I said this all the time like how the media uh, when we were talking about Keane they were saying the same they love to put pressure on young young players you know they do it half of the season one season well Bum, a price tag of 150 million. You know, my United, Real Madrid wants you. Maybe they don't even want them, but the media talks about it. And, you know, then the, everyone talks about it and he's become one of the best players in the world. While in reality, is just a young player with a lot of talent that played a very well season. And he, need, he really needs his time to shine and kind of reach the top. Uh, so I think that would, it's not easy. It's not easy to 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 play under all this pressure, having everyone having all the expectation for you, especially as a midfielder to score goals. Because last year he scored a lot of goals, and it was so important uh, for Lazio. So everyone expecting to score the same amount of goals this year, but it's not always as easy for a midfielder, especially of his age. And I think again after you know after he got quite quite used to the season and how things were going uh, now um in the second half of the season i, I think he's, he's, he's playing much better and he's starting to show what he showed last year and which is yeah which is uh, that he's a great player and probably deserves to play even in a, in a better team <laughs> Sorry, don't hate me but uh, <laughs> in, in my in my head you can't say that tommy you can't yeah. say that when Vittorio is here come on man <laughs> I, would like, I would like to know the opinion of the of the expert about what I just said. Well, I, I, I agree in part. Uh, I mean, he didn't start the season very well, but you ha- you don't have to forget that it was a very intense summer for him. Uh, not only all the transfer rumours, it looks like Real Madrid made a big offer to Lazio that Lotito didn't accept, but also he played for the World Cup yeah. and he arrived very late. He, he missed pretty much all the summer training, which... We ignore it, but most of the time it's really important, especially for a player of the physique of of uh, Miliko Savic. He's very big, so he needs time to to uh, tr- find the right condition. And obviously, he didn't start the season very well. Probably mentally, he was 
uh, you know, still under pressure, a lot of rumors, talking uh, and things like that. And the, the thing is, he's now playing in a different position compared to last year. Uh, Tommy was talking about Luis Alberto. Well, now Inzaghi found this solution playing all the, I call it the, the Fantastic Four, uh, Immobile, <laughs> Correa, Luis Alberto and Milinko Savic all together. It's a very offensive uh, type of tactic for Simone Inzaghi. But Luis Alberto and Milinko Savic are playing like central mid. And so they're also involved in defending. And I have to say that Milinko Savic and Luis Alberto are playing really, really well. Um, against uh, Fiorentina, I think, Luis Alberto was the player that recovered more balls in all the match which is surprising for a player like that. So, Miniko Savic is scoring less because he's now more mid-defender instead of a trequartista like last year. So, he's changing a, a little bit style of football. But I think the biggest thing of Miniko Savic is that he's a very complete midfielder. He's strong. He has talent. He's very skilled. He's a very good header. He can do pretty much everything. I like him more close to the net because he's a... He has a little bit of a striker in, in him, but he can play everywhere, honestly. So I still rate him very high, to be honest. Yeah, same, same. Absolutely, absolutely. There's no doubting about his quality, just perhaps maybe that this season his form drops off a little bit. Uh, Vittorio Lazio now, of course, sit in sixth position um, and they are, by my calculations, just four points off the top four. Is it is it achievable? Should... Uh, you know, Inzaghi be looking to put a run together uh, for this last few games and, and really try and get in there. And do you think it's possible? Well, as Tommy was saying, of the teams fighting for the Champions League spot, I think this, the, the spot available now are two at the third and the fourth place because Napoli is pretty much safe after defeating Roma last, last week, uh, last weekend. Um, so Lazio is the team playing better. We see that Milan is a, is a little bit in crisis. As we said often in this podcast. Uh, Gattuso has a lot of players, but he's not able to to make Milan play nice football. And we saw it again this weekend uh, and in the last match. Um, Lazio is at four points from Milan, but has two matches on, ha- on hand. Lazio has to play against Pal and uh, the match against Udinese. So they can be fourth now if they win both matches. Now, it's not going to be easy, but if you see the last two, three matches, Lazio is probably the, the team playing better football, seeing Roma, Inter and Milan. I don't think about that Atalanta would be able to be there. But yeah, I think Lazio at the moment of the four is the team playing better. But there's still the gap points. It's going to be really important the next matches to see how Lazio <clears throat> perform and then we can say it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's move on uh, to another game involving a Champions League race contender, uh, Milan. They took on Tommy's Sampdoria and uh, Tommy's probably been itching to talk about this one, of course. Um, Sampdoria won Milan nil. Uh, It was a very early goal and it was a bit of a howler, wasn't it, from Gianluigi Donnarumma. Your thoughts on the game, Tommy? Well, I mean, if you if you just watch the goal, you might say that we got lucky. And I mean, it's fair to say that obviously the goal was lucky, that Donnarumma made a mistake that he usually doesn't do and any keeper in Serie A usually do. But beside the goal, which, yeah, as you said, happened very early after like 36 seconds, after the goal, like we played very, very well. And I did not expect that. I did expect somebody to play well the game, but after we scored so early, I think it's not easy when a team, especially the team that is like the, the weakest against the two, scores so early because then 
mentally, even though if your manager is going to tell you to don't like defend for the whole game, but mentally you kind of do it. You know what I mean? Like when you score so early, and then you have to kind of defend the result. You 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 kind of afraid of attacking, and you tend to defend more. But that's not what happened, at least for most of the game, because Andorra was up for it, and I think at least for the first half and for most of the second half, they really showed the Gianpaolo uh, philosophy of football, which is, you know, the team very close to each other, uh, not very wide. You know, when, when Sandor doesn't have the ball, they all get close, very, uh, very close to each other and they pressure a lot. And we saw that uh, pressure was a big problem for Milan and not only for, for the goal because, yeah, Donnarumma made this mistake, but I think the Ferrari was amazing that after only 30 seconds, he was already running for the ball and he was already there so close to the keeper. And even after that, if you if you watch the game, you will see that um, I think Romagnoli and then Donnarumma again they they gave the ball away again in the in the defense because again Oyarella and the friend they were pressuring a lot, uh, so that that was something that Milan really suffered. So we really had the game in control for most of, for most of the, the game and we could have scored another one really. Oyarella uh, hit the crossbar. Uh, with a with a deflection and um, but that, that, that is the problem of this style of play is that in the last let's say 15 minutes then the team is tired obviously and then Giampaolo made a few changes but the whole team was quite tired so the pressure wasn't as big as anymore so Milan uh, found it easier to to get out and uh, they also had Casillejo on and so they had a few chances in the end and I would say that there, were, there was probably a penalty for them uh, in the in the last few minutes Piontek who uh, was, uh, was attacked by Muru. Muru did not touch the ball. He wasn't a clear foul, but I think he's one of those that you can give and not give. But if, if it was up to me, if it wasn't, you know, if some daughter was involved, I probably would have given it. And I was a bit surprised because he went to the AR. There was a few minutes and I, knew, I was like, Fuck it, it's happening again. The last minute, like like Juventus, uh, a VAR penalty, but then they didn't give it to, and and that was a quite quite a shock. But I think overall we deserve the win. Uh, the players they played like again like the the philosophy of Gianpaolo. So I'm I'm sure the manager was very pleased. And the last thing I would like to say, I would like to do a shout shout out to Vieira. Um, Ronaldo Vieira, which came from Leeds, and he didn't really start. Uh, he only started once once before this game and he played as in a very important role with the CDM which is the, the guy in the midfield right in front of the defence usually Ekdal plays in that role but um, Guerrero started this time because Ekdal is injured and he was very very solid he did give away a few balls uh, to be fair in the midfield which is, which is no idea but besides those couple of balls it was very solid it was great and it's going to start again and I was a bit scared when I saw his name but now I'm very confident and about Milan well Again, they didn't really have the strength, the mental strength to react to the early goal. They they uh, they suffered the, the pressing like they did as well in, in the Milan derby because Inter was pressuring a lot as well. And that's definitely a loading point for Milan, but obviously they didn't learn much because, uh, again, today wasn't a great result with Udinese. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and obviously, um, Vittorio... We've been talking a lot about Gattuso lately. You know, Tommy's spoken about the game at length. Um, Sampdoria certainly deserved the result. But was this a case of Gattuso getting it wrong again, in your opinion? I know that you've been quite a critic of his uh, this season in particular. So would you place any of the blame at Gattuso's feet? Yes, absolutely. And uh, I think Giampaolo is a good manager who should get another big chance with a big team. Now there are rumours that he could that is linked to Roma, we're going to see. But 
I thought that Giampaolo could outplay Gattuso and that's what happened. Uh, we saw that Milan struggled midfield and putting pressure to the defence just amplified these this problems with AC Milan. Again, Gattuso didn't find a solution to use all the talent he's having. Milan, it's well organised when they have to defend, but when they attack, it's pretty much long ball and hope that Paqueta or Piontek or someone else finds some magic and scores. And when you find a team very well organized, like Sampdoria, it's going to be difficult. And if you see, they start having chances when Sampdoria is tired. Otherwise, they couldn't have you know, any chances at all. So um, I know Milan fans are really happy about Gattuso, but I think if you really want to fight for the Champions League and go beyond that, then you need a better manager. If if Milan were were to secure a place in the Champions League for next season, Tommy, do they need to look elsewhere? Because, you know, that would have been Gattuso, in my opinion, serving his purpose, getting them into the Champions League. But he's not going to take them any further than that, in my opinion, you know. So would it then be time to, you know, say, right, you've got us this far. Thank you very much. But we need to look uh, higher up the pecking order in terms of managers. Uh, well, I think what you just said is is fair. I think it's fair. Uh, well, Gattuso was, you know, doesn't really have much experience as a manager. The, the few experiences he had, they weren't great. At Palermo or in Greece or whatever. I remember so him in he, Greece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's <laughs> sometimes shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so yeah, he, he, I don't think anyone in Milan really hyped him with the thought of like build, uh, creating a new generation. and came in for a lot of years. He came in a, in a very bad moment and just had to keep keep Milan. Uh, you know, just finished the season well, and that's what it did. So they confirmed it again for this year. And in the past episodes, I was quite positive about Cattuso. I talked quite good about him because I know I like how you know he motivates the team and stuff. But the, the now they're playing; they're actually playing very bad. And I can't understand if it's physical the problem or it's mental. Uh, but either way, it, it, I think it comes down to the manager really because this is really the the, the point of the season where you're supposed to fight the most. And I, I said before in the past that with my team we usually struggle in the end of the season. And I think it comes down to the manager. So if they have to go to to if they have to finish in the top four, which looks quite hard now because again, if Lazio wins their two. Uh, two games they have in hand that would be fourth and you know there's only uh, eight games left if they had to finish in the Champions League they would probably need to change manager but even even if they finish in the Europa League to, to make sure the next year they actually hit the Champions League and they perform well in the Europa League they would probably have to look elsewhere someone with more experience and maybe start to look uh, to, to start a new generation and keep him for a few years Vittorio I'm guessing you agree with that Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, as Tommy was saying, Gattuso arrived in the perfect moment. You know, they needed uh, a sort of leader, uh, um, a manager who can motivate people. The, the, the team was demotivated. You know, uh, Montella did terrible things at, at AC Milan. So they needed someone to shock a little bit the system, I would say. And Gattuso worked in that situation. But now they need someone to take this step further, to make they spend a lot of money, even in January, and nobody can say that Milan doesn't have good players. Now they simply need to play better, and, and they're not. And it shouldn't be that hard. Uh, we saw Gattuso changing even uh, tactics uh, um, in the last weeks, and still the result was terrible. So uh, can you blame the players? Yes, obviously, at the end of the day, they are playing. But I think the manager 
has the job to find a solution, like Inzaghi did with, with Lazio. Uh, Lazio was playing not very well this year till December, and it was the same team of last year. So you, you were thinking, well, what's going wrong? Inzaghi changed things, as I said. You know, uh, uh, Luis Alberto and Milikovic Savic play, play now in a different position, and now Lazio is playing great football. So if you are a manager, you have to find different solutions. You see the players every day, and you can think about different solutions, and he's not. And let's not forget that even at the derby, he was surprised to see the position of Vecino that at the end decided the match, and he wasn't able to find a counter-solution to that. So a manager should be good in these things, and Gattuso isn't. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And and talking of managers who aren't very good, there's another one who's not very good in my opinion, and you guys will know from recent weeks that I don't rate Claudio Ranieri one bit. And on the weekend, they were absolutely hammered. Roma won, Napoli four at the Stadio Olimpico. Uh, Vittorio, that's a humiliation for Roma, isn't it? And as a Lazio fan, I'm sure you enjoyed it. But the, the thing's more... Most strange of that match is that Napoli was pretty much walking for 95 minutes. The only time they speed up a little bit, they scored. So in the first half, Napoli could have been easily 3-0 three, three up. And they were like, you know, walking around. And in the last second of the first half, uh, the, the goalkeeper, Moret, made a mistake and, and Roma scored with a penalty. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting because in the second half, maybe Roma are more motivated and start playing football, which didn't happen. In the first 10 minutes, Napoli scored twice. Again, terrible mistake by the goalkeeper. But Roma players are, are not running at all. Uh, there are two players who are still fighting, that are Manolas and, and De Rossi. All the others are walking around. Zaniolo didn't play, came in in the second half, and Zeko was trying to do something. But all the others... They are nothing. And uh, Ranieri has... Ranieri made mistakes because he changed another time tactic and played with a 4-2-3-1. But you cannot play Chic on the left side near Cristante because it's not his position there. So you have to try to put the right pl- the players in the right position. But as well, I think Chic is the uh, king of hide-and-seek because, again, he was invisible <laughs> uh, last Sunday. I-, I don't know if he ever touched the ball. And he did the same thing against Pal. You know, uh, you put players to play football and they're hiding away. So, yes, Ranieri, we said it, it wouldn't be the a right solution. But even the players have to step up. You know, some of them look like they're already on holiday. Some are, are really thinking to... To, to run away from Rome. So, you know, there's a, still a lot of matches at the moment. Roma is not even in Europe League. They have to get to Europe. I mean, the Champions League for me, I don't know if Tommy agree, but it's pretty much impossible at this moment if they keep playing like that. But with Atalanta and Sampdoria and Fiorentina playing like this, the Europe League could be at stake as well. Yeah, and of course, Torino are in the mix as well. So, um, but, you know, we're talking like Roma are dead and buried. And, and Tommy, I know that they're not playing very well at the moment. But if Lazio, you know, have got a chance of getting in there, Roma are only one point behind them. And Roma do have one game in hand over Milan. So it's not completely gone. If they can get their ideas together and they can sort things out quickly, then Roma could be very close to the top four come the end of the season as well, can't they? Well, mathematically, yeah, it, it's, it's very much possible. But realistically, I think if, if Ranieri stays until the end of the season, I think Atalanta's going to finish above them. And either also one of, one between Sampdoria and Torino, most likely the one who's going to win next game. 
my my come ahead of them because uh, yeah I agree with everything that Vittorio said that the, the most impressive thing that Napoli did not put so much effort at all and even the players that uh, were, we said that the, the Rossi Manolas are the only one fighting but even Manolas yesterday they is usually I mean he's a world class defender in my opinion he's like incredible even if he in the game with Napoli he made quite a few mistakes. He wasn't uh, really on um, Mertens in the second goal. Uh, he wasn't on Milik in the first goal when he, he went through uh, Fatu and Manolas. I mean, we know the Fatu is not great, but so even, even the biggest, the, the best players, even Jaco, like the, even the best players are performing so badly. And I mean, with the Francesco, things were not great, of course. Uh, that, that's why he got sacked, obviously. But at least you saw that you know a few key players. At least they were. You know they were they were kind of getting getting the car going you know but now not even them I feel like there really is no one that is fighting and about Sheik I feel very very bad about the guy because I I really I really rate him I I saw him you know when he was a Sampdoria when he was very young and he was so good and I think the going to Rome is was the worst decision of his career because they have someone like Edin Dzeko that they're not going to bench for anyone and Sheik needs to be the striker he needs to have the whole team playing for him and he, I think if, if he does find that it would be great but again playing as a as a second forward or even worse as a winger like he did uh, the game with Napoli is definitely the wrong choice and keep playing him it's just going to make the whole team bad not just not just him so yeah again I think if Ranier stays and, and, until the end of the season they're not going to qualify, not even for the Europa League. Yeah, it's just a fair shout. And, and you know, guys know that I don't particularly rate Claudio Ranieri. So, uh, you know, I have to agree with you. But th- that was the point that I was making. It's not mathematically impossible. Uh, and things are so tight in that section of the of the Serie A table. So it'll be interesting to see how things develop there, of course. Now, uh, Fiorentina and Torino uh, played out a 1-1 draw at the Stadio Artemio Franchi. Uh, Vittorio it's a draw that doesn't do much for either side does it it's a frustrating result for both of those teams isn't it yes and uh, it's funny because Torino looked to have you know the momentum a couple of weeks ago uh, it was in a good form uh, and now recently they stopped when when they finally reach uh, you know they see the table and see well we, we can fight even for the Champions League at this point or the Europe League they stopped playing um, and Mazzari, for some ways, is similar to Gattuso. It's very well organized for defending, but their team never shined, never played great football. Let's not forget when Mazzari was at Napoli. He had an incredible Cavani who was doing pretty much everything. <clears throat> Otherwise, Napoli would have struggled to score. And here he's doing a little bit better. He, he revitalized Belotti and Falke is doing something. But, yeah, I think... When, you need a better manager to, to, to reach those spots, especially with this team. So, Fiorentina is a very talented team. We have to see what's going to happen next year if Fiorentina is going to be able to, to keep all those talented players like Chiesa, who has been linked to Juventus now, Simeone, there are a lot of rumors. So, and, and they're probably going to change Pioli for, for Di Francesco, who it's a very concerning decision. But yeah, those teams... Uh, especially Fiorentina, up and down, up and down continuously. This doesn't allow you to fight for the Champions League spot. Uh, Tommy, how has Belotti got on? Because, you know, Vittorio mentioned that he, he's done okay, he's somewhat been revitalised. But this is a player that a couple of years ago was linked with every club. Every top club <laughs> were linked with, with Andrea Belotti. And 
particularly here in the Premier League, there were lots of links with him to Chelsea and some other clubs. He's gone off the radar a little bit, though. How's he gotten on overall this season? Well, I think uh, I'm talking. If you ask me about Belotti, I think I'm, I'm going to repeat a bit of what I said for Milinko Savage. And again, I'm going against the media again. Uh, he did one incredible season. He scored a lot of goals, and, and and the media started going, you know, he's the new Nzagi, he's the new Shevchenko, he's the new uh, top striker, you know, best striker in history of Italy or whatever. Hundred millions. When you give this much, this much pressure on a young guy, again, I'm going to repeat myself. I'm sorry about that, but it's hard for him to perform as as well as as he, as he can. And again, I, I agree with what Vitor said. Mazzari is not the right. Um, I think he's not the right manager to make a striker shine. Like for, for example, um, Gasperini. For example, he's a great manager for that. We all know that for with both Genoa and Atalanta, he always did a great job with the center striker. So I think if Pelotti was with Gasperini, he would perform much better. <laughs> But with Mazzari, uh, I'm not surprised that he's not doing as well. So with that said, he is a great player. He is a talented player. But again, he needs his time to kind of grow. He's probably, in my opinion, not world class, as a lot of you know people were saying after his big season. He's not a hundred million worth. I think it's about forty million worth. And in, 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 he's perfect for a team like Torino, Fiorentina. But again, he needs an, a different kind of manager to shine and to uh, scoring a lot of goals. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we haven't touched on Juventus for a few weeks now, and that's probably because they've run away with the Scudetto and, it, you know, there's not really that much discussion. Most of our talk has, of course, centred around those uh, in pursuit of a Champions League spot. But Vittorio, Juventus, they've played tonight or they're playing tonight. Um, they then next week, well, they yeah, they play Milan next week and then they've got that game away to Ajax. That's going to be a really testing week for Juve, isn't it? Yes, it is. And uh, we know that Cristiano Ronaldo is injured. So uh, Allegri spoke saying that he doesn't know if he's going to be fit for for Ajax, even though Cristiano Ronaldo said, I'm, I'm going to be able to play. We're going to see how it plans out. But yes, it's, it's an important week. And on the other side, thinking about the team fighting for the Champions League, we all hope that Juventus will play the best team available to play against Milan and not the, the Juventus B, because this can change, you know, the, the, the results of the fight for the Champions League. That's right. So this is really important. And it's not easy because, let's be honest, the Scudetto is done. It's, it's one month that the race is over. And we saw that this mentally affected Juventus as well. Even against Empoli, Juventus won, but, you know, only 1-0, uh, not playing great football. Uh, but it's not easy to be focused when you're fighting for the Scudetto and the race is over and maybe in two weeks' time you have a very important match like the one against Ajax. So it's not easy for the players to mentally be mentally focused on the match. So this is the big chance for Milan from my point of view. If Juventus is already thinking about Ajax when they play against Milan, then you know Milan has a chance to win and if they win that match, well, they can find the momentum back. But... Yes, Juventus in the last weeks haven't been playing great football. A little bit because Allegri have been rotating the team and a little bit because some of them are not focused. Even though this team is keen to play and we are seeing that he is a very talented player. Now, as, as Tommy said, already everybody's thinking he's the best Italian player of, the, of, the, of ever and so on. And exaggerating with putting him that much pressure. But he's a talented player and maybe this coming month will be 
perfect for him to to play and show his talent. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's been a lot of debate in the last few weeks, and I'm going to bring Arsenal into it, my team, and, and I'm going to put this to you, Tommy. And there's a reason for me asking this question. There's been lots of talk about Arsenal uh, having missed the trick by allowing Aaron Ramsey, of course, to uh, sign a pre-contract agreement with Juventus. And there are lots of people here in the UK who think that this is not a step up for Aaron Ramsey because Serie A is, uh, you know, it's, it's a league that has been dominated by Juventus and that his standard will drop. Now, my argument is that Juventus are a huge force in European football and there's no way that this is not a step up for Aaron Ramsey. I mean, I, I'm an Arsenal fan and I admit that. So, it, like, for the purpose of our listeners in the UK, like, Serie A is such a brilliant competition. Why do you think it is, maybe, that... And, and I ask you, Tommy, because I know you work in a company that is involved in the British media. So, why do you think that people have the, this opinion that Serie A is miles behind the Premier League. It's not in terms of quality, is it? Well, I think there's two main reasons why everyone thinks that. And the first one is the fact that Juventus has won the league for the past seven years, eight years, including this one. And obviously that says a lot because, I mean, if you ask me, i would probably say similar things to the French League. You know, PSG has won so many titles, there's no battles. So that kind of makes you think that, you know, if Juventus is is winning so many titles that it means that the, the teams below it they're not that good the second reason is that Inter and Milan they historically been among especially AC Milan among the best teams in the world if not the best teams in the world and you know, we know how many Champions League Milan won Inter as well uh, quite recently and the fact that they've been so poorly in the past about five years six, seven years has really reflected on Italian football every time Inter and Milan they quite make it to the Europa League and then they get battered by some, you know, some weird team that no one heard about. That really tells you that, you know, Inter and Milan, they, in the eyes of people outside of Italy, are the best Italian teams, you know, and with Juventus and seeing them so, so low, it, it really makes me feel like the whole league level is much lower. I, I don't think a lot of people are really consider Napoli to that level, which they are, because they are a great team. And we saw it even this year in the Champions League, they did lose with Liverpool in the, in the Champions League and they didn't qualify, but they played a good game and they, they wouldn't been through if Alisson wouldn't, you know, made these miracles in the, in, the, in the last 20 minutes. Yeah. So I would say that, yeah, it's probably fair to say that at the moment Premier League is probably stronger if you take team by team. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that Serie A is a low-level league. It's not a farmer's league, like a lot of people say. It's very strong. The Juventus is probably the best team in the world at the moment with Ronaldo, or at least, I mean, at least we're talking about Champions League. Napoli is the second one, is one of the best teams in the world again. It, it, could, um, it could fight against any team in the Premier League. And then, yeah, Inter Milan, they're getting better and, and better after the, the crisis they had. And they have a new project, new owners. So I think Serie A is one of the best uh, leagues in the world and it will, it's just growing and it's come, kind of coming back to what it was so I think even a few more years you know if it will take a few more years to kind of reach that level again but it will yeah absolutely I, I think sorry to jump in that one of the biggest difference is the tactical point of view in Serie A every manager every team is very well prepared on the tactical side especially on the defence side as, as we were saying about the Mazzarri and Gattuso 
who are not great managers, but they're very well organized when it's time to defend. So this makes it very tough for the big teams to come there and, and beat them. While in the Premier League, every team likes to, to attack, to try to score. And, and when you play Manchester City, who's five times better, if you don't or are, if you're not very well organized defending, then you're going to take a lot of goals. And that makes, makes obviously uh, a bit nicer to see because there are a lot of goals. While in Serie A, maybe you get to see a lot of one all, uh, one all. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's tougher to, 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 to score goals in Serie A than in the other leagues. So maybe this makes it a little bit boring, even though in the last couple of years things are changing there. So I think this is the biggest difference. Yeah, I agree. And it's a little bit of, uh, yeah, what's the word? I don't think it's because people, I think it's because people are just uneducated when it comes to foreign leagues. And I get this from certain people. I will talk to, for example, your average British football fan won't know anything about leagues in Spain or Italy, whereas an Italian football fan would know a bit about Spain, a bit about England, a bit about France. And I think that in other cultures, they make more effort to, try and understand and learn about other things whereas because the Premier League is so entertaining I think that's the key word it's not that it's such a great standard but it is so entertaining that people just close themselves off to the rest of Europe and I think you know that that's probably the reason why people talk like that I don't know what you guys think about that yeah well you know it's uh, everybody likes to 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 see the the proper league so you know Italian people like to watch Serie A and maybe they're not very uh, used to watch La Liga or La Ligana or Bundesliga and Premier League. So they know very well the Italian players, but not the other leagues. And this is changing a little bit in my mind. Uh, English people are starting to watch La Liga thanks to Barcelona, Real Madrid. Uh, Ligan is getting more popular thanks to Paris Saint-Germain. So, you know, things are changing a little bit, but you still think that your league is better than the others. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a fair point. Um, guys, that, that brings us towards the end of, of this week's roundup. I don't know uh, if there's anything else that you guys want to touch on uh, before we wrap it up. Well, <laughs> I mean, a uh, very quick one from, from my point of view for the, for the Europa League and Champions League battle. I just want to point out that tomorrow is going to be uh, one of the most probably important game for, for my team for Sampdoria and for the Europa League battle because we played Torino away and I think that the winner of this this game is probably going to be the highest contestant uh, to compete with Atalanta for Europa League and Roma so very nervous for the game um, <laughs> but hopefully hopefully we nick a, nick a win I hope for your sake as well that they do because it's Tommy... even a there is even Roma Fiorentina who's going to be really, really important because we're talking yeah. about Roma that is not far away talking about points, but is far away talking about performance. And against Fiorentina, it's going to be, I don't know if the key match, because afterwards I think they're playing against Sampdoria. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but Roma has to win this match to have a chance to, to fight for the Champions League. If they lose against Fiorentina at home, I think it's going to be a complete disaster. But it's not going to be easy. Remember that Fiorentina destroyed Roma 7-1 in, in the Coppa Italia. Yes. So, you know, it's it's not an easy match. As I said, Fiorentina can play real great football and real butt at the same time. So it's not going to be easy for Roma. I think it's going to be vital for them. If they win this, maybe they're back in the fight. If they don't, then I think it's over. It's game over for them. I yeah. don't see them winning, to be fair. And I, I, don't, don't see, but... I don't see them winning as well at home against Sampdoria in the one after. 
I, I agree with you, but you know they, they still have some talented players. You know, if Zaniolo starts playing again, if Zeko starts scoring, I, I don't think that team is that bad. Yes, of course they have terrible players who who they paid a lot of money, but is it Roma better than Fiorentina? Probably yes. Well, player by player, yes, for sure. But I think I think I think I can. I can. I can see a draw. I can see a draw in this picture, and to be fair, I would be quite pleased with it. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and again, after that, Sandora Roma is going to be absolutely massive. I bet you would. I bet you would. Right, guys, that brings us to the end of another episode of Simply Seria. You can follow us on Twitter at Simply Seria, and you can follow our regular panelists uh, in on their Twitter accounts, which are in the bio underneath in the description of this podcast. So you can find that all there. And of course, you can find the link to Vittorio's uh, YouTube channel as well, which is a great watch. So please do check that out as well. We'll be back next week with another review show. So until then, guys, ciao. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.